Hey guys, this is Sandra Rivera, co-founder of Proyecto Siembra. Welcome to another episode. We love to talk about all things in the Latinx community, from business to pop culture to everyday life. As you know, not only am I a co-founder of Proyecto Siembra, but I'm also a teacher here in Indianapolis. And today's episode is dedicated basically to just the experience of what it's like to be a teacher during a global pandemic. Amazing. With me, I have three other wonderful women that I've had the pleasure to meet this year. I've been so blessed to know them and bond with them as it's my first year of teaching. I'm going into this blind, but luckily they've been able to share the experience with me because everybody is a first year teacher this year, not just me, but everybody from 10 years, 20 years to 30 years. Everyone is a first year teacher because no one could have really expected everything that was to come with this global pandemic. So now without further ado, I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, we're going to start off with my awesome third grade partner that I am so fortunate to work with, Griselle. Um, hi, I'm nervous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hi, my name is um, Grisel Moreno. I was born in, or I am, I was born in Indianapolis. Um, I went to IUPUI, just like my partner Sandy. Um, I teach third grade, um, but before that, I taught first grade for two years. So this is my third year teaching. Um, my family is from uh, Aguascalientes, so you know. Woo -woo. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, my name is Andrea Rodriguez. I was also born here in Indy. Hey, hey, goes Hoosiers. I graduated from Marion University. Loved it there. Recommend it. <laughs> uh, I teach second grade. It's my second year teaching second grade, but I also taught kinder my first year. So like Grisel, it's my third year teaching. Uh, my family is from Mexico, Arrivalo de Jalisco. <laughs> Love it there. Next. Hey guys, my name is Carolyn Gassman. I'm originally from Chicago, but I came to Indy to go to Butler and I graduated from there in 2018 and I've been a teacher here in Indy ever since. Um, this is my third year teaching and my third year teaching first grade specifically. Um, I, unlike the other girls here, am not Latina, but I have had the absolute privilege of getting to know more about the Latinx community and the culture because of them. And I, for that, I'm always going to be very, very grateful. We've adopted you like one of us. Yeah. <laughs> one of us. One of us. Okay, guys. Well, like I said today, oh, I didn't say where I was from or any of that, but you guys know that. Um, I'm from... I was born in Matamoros, Mexico um, in 1997. Um, I graduated from IUPUI. This is my first year of teaching. Um, I am a third grade dual language teacher as well with the rest of the team here. So today we come together for this podcast really to just shed a light on all of the difficulties that teachers are going through right now and to honestly like let out a cry to all the teachers out there to let them know that you're not alone. You're not going through this alone, although it may feel that way. Although right now we feel overworked and super underappreciated at some moments. Never forget why you came into this profession and never forget the passion and dedication and the love that brought you to, into this profession um, due to just wanting to make a change in a child's life and in the futures to come. So to start off, I'm just going to start off with a little stat on how that really shows how teachers are feeling right now. So in a recent survey by the National Education Association, which is the country's largest teachers union, um, if you don't know what a teachers union is, it's a strong unified body of professionals who advocate for teachers' rights and any injustices that may be placed against them and also the improvement of the educational system. So they held this survey and about 28% of educators said that the coronavirus had made them more likely to leave teaching or retire early. So let's think about this. A little bit over a fourth of our nation's teachers have considered leaving the profession as a whole because of the experience of what it's like to teach during a pandemic. As we were talking before we started the podcast, all four of us, 100% of this room has had this thought, you know, so it's just really 
incredible how something that we're so passionate about can really kind of turn into something dark, something that has really brought us down, but also has lifted us up and helped us become better teachers. Um, how this virus, this pandemic has really like driven us to the point where we don't want to do this anymore. But at the end of the day, we always stick to our values and we stick to the passion and heart that we have for teaching. Um, we stick to, cause it really does take heart to be a teacher. It really does take dedication and it really takes that drive that you want to push for change because at the end of the day, you're teaching the future generations to come and you're teaching them to be more mindful and loving and empathetic human beings because we don't want a repeat of the history that we're living through today. We don't want any of that to repeat in the future. And that's why we stand here as advocates, as teachers, as emotional support systems and like educators for these children that one day are going to be our leaders. So to start off, we're going to be answering just some questions. And my first question that I have for you ladies, if we all want to um, answer it or however you want to, um, what was the moment that you decided you wanted to be a teacher? Like, where did your passion come from? And I'll let anyone take the floor first. Um, I'll go first. <clears throat> uh, I think for me, it, it's it's been very interesting. Uh, ever since I was in fifth grade, I said that I wanted to be a dentist. I was I went through middle school, I went through high school believing I was going to be a dentist. And when I made the decision, I remember when I made it, it when I was in fifth grade, I remember hearing a conversation between my dad and one of my older older cousins, and they were talking about how dentists make so much money. And with coming from an immigrant family, like that's all you want. You want to make money. That's why they that's why your parents came here, that's what you want to do. And that's why I was like, okay, I guess I'll be a dentist. I don't mind it. I enjoy cleaning my teeth. <laughs> so, that, and that's why I wanted to do it. But then as time went on and like I would, and I would go shadow dentists and stuff, but, and I even worked at the dental office. That was my first job. Um, I began to realize that I didn't really like it. Saliva kind of grossed me out. <laughs> and, and then when I was actually my first year of college, that was my major. I was majoring in um, biology and Spanish. Spanish was always there. And uh, I was taking physics, chemistry and biology my second semester of college. And I was like, what am I doing? This is too much. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't. And throughout this whole time, teaching was always like, if, if dentistry doesn't work out, that's what I'm going to do. So it was always like my plan B. And and that's why I was majoring in Spanish. I was like, if dentistry doesn't work out, I'll teach Spanish because I know it. It's something that I already know how to do. And when I decided that dentistry wasn't for me, I went to go shadow at an elementary school for a day. And I was like, what was I thinking? This is what I need to do. This is where this is where I should be. And the more that I got into the job, into like studying for the career I was like this is what this is what I was meant to do I'm the oldest of four I've always tried to set an example for them and I want to do that for all of these other kids that are going to come into my classroom I never had a teacher that looked like me and I wanted to be that for them I wanted them to see a teacher that looked like them I wanted them to be able to speak their own home language with their teacher I wanted them to be able to communicate with their teacher you if, if they didn't speak English because that happened to me when I was in kindergarten I couldn't speak to my teacher so I think I don't think I have like a moment but I think it was all of that together thank you for sharing I think for me it was all my whole life I knew I wanted to be a teacher I mean I was an only child growing up and I would take I remember taking cardboard boxes and setting them up as desks in my playroom for my stuffed animals of like hey you're gonna sit here and learn and I would drag my parents in when I could of like sit at this box I need you to be my student and like I have to go do the dishes or like do my job I'm like no 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 you need to be my student right now but I always knew that teaching was where my heart was for as long as I can remember and through elementary school I had so many teachers who just encouraged me to be better and who made me excited about school and excited about learning. 
And as I got into high school, I worked in a preschool. I worked with kids with special needs. And I just knew that being with kids and teaching kids was always in my passion. Um, So when I went to college, it was never a question of what's my major going to be. It's more just a question of like, what am I going to do with my major? And like, what kind of teacher am I going to be? How am I going to make those impacts? Um, And I remember a very specific moment when one of the classes I was taking got overwhelming and hard and I didn't, I, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. And as someone who is such a perfectionist, I really struggled with that. And I went to talk to my professor about it. And I was like, I just can't do this. Like maybe teaching is wrong. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. And she wrote me a note the next day. And I still have the note. Actually, I keep it in a binder and I look at it when I feel like I can't do what I'm doing. And she told me, you can do anything. You're meant to be a teacher. I have no question about that. And because of that, I'm still here. I didn't leave my major. I didn't change it. And I'm thankful every day for that. I mean, so many times people have jobs and they wake up in the morning and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have to deal with this. But to get up and go work with kids is the biggest blessing. There's no, even if a child is having a bad day, the bad day isn't because of you. It's maybe because of something that happened at home or something that's going on in their life. But you as a teacher can make such a difference for them. And just to be that person for them and be their support and be someone who loves them unconditionally is unlike any feeling in the world. Um, one of my students last year would ask me every day as I dropped him off um, to go home, he asked me, Miss Gasman, do you love us? And I, t- I would tell him every day, I said, I love you guys all the time, but I love you the most when you're the most behaved. And <laughs> without fail, he would ask me every single day. And that stands completely true. From the first minute they walk into my classroom, as a, basically a kindergartner ready to start first grade to the day they leave as a first grader going to second grade. I love them with my entire heart and I will continue to love them every day that I can. I think for me, I don't know if it's that deep as you guys. <laughs> no, um, I just, I always knew, um, I didn't like play school or like do anything like that. Um, when I was younger, but, um, it was high school. It was my senior year. And like, if everybody like, you know, application time to apply, like to college, like rolled around and, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew I could go to college. And like, I knew that IUPUI was a school that I wanted to go to, um, because I did want to commute, but I also didn't want it to be that expensive. Um, because I didn't get like any like scholarships or anything like that just because of me being lazy. And, you know, my parents also like, you know, I I came from an immigrant family, so like we didn't have much. I mean, they gave me what they could, but, and helped me where they could. But I knew that at the end of the day, most of like the money was going to be like, it was going to lie on me. Maybe my, you know, my dad got me a loan so I wouldn't have to pay back with a whole bunch of like interest and you know I'm forever grateful for that but like it's not money that like came out of like his pocket because he couldn't and so like you know I didn't want to be like asking them for things all of the time especially you know because I was older and he always told me like you know your your job is going to school and like doing better and things like that so I wanted to make sure that whatever I chose is what I was going to stick with and what I was passionate about because I didn't want to waste time or money because it was both things were so precious at that time. And so um, I knew that I knew I wanted to help people, help people that looked like me. I just didn't know if I wanted to go and to help people through law or to help kids through teaching. And I sat there for a really long time. It took me forever to just, I applied to IPY, I got accepted, but then I had to declare my major. And I was sitting there deciding like what I wanted to do. And then I was just like, I think I want to go the route through the kids just because I know that, you know, the kids would better benefit from looking at me and being around me and me helping them grow into adults that like how you said in the beginning that like care for others and grow up there, you know, they're going to be the future leaders. And so I thought that I could do, I could help more from them being so young Mm -hmm. because, you know, kids are like sponges. You like, you you can mold them whichever way you want. And if you mold them in the correct way, they're going to grow up to be like, 
awesome adults. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I, you know, it was freshman year. I decided, you know, I'm going to do teaching. But then the only thing once I got to teach or once I declared my major, I had to declare if it was elementary or high school. Mm -hmm. And I was on the fence for a really, really, really long time. If I wanted to be a Spanish teacher, if I wanted to be an art teacher, because I really like art too. If I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. And then, you know, I shadowed in both and I stuck with elementary. But then, you know, we all teach in the dual language program. I didn't know that was something that, you know, existed like us teaching in Spanish, who knew, who knew? And then teaching like everything in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And teaching not just to Spanish speakers, but English speakers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. You know, and so, you know, now that I'm teaching, you know, we're all teaching in a dual language program. I always tell everybody like, I don't think I could teach in English. I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know how, like I did it when I was student teaching, you know, but now that we've, you know, we've taught in Spanish for, three years now, I don't see it any other way. Mm-hmm. And I don't see myself doing anything else other than teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and we're not just making a difference for the kids. And it's something that I've, I've thought of once I became a teacher, we're helping the parents because I mean, yeah. I don't know what your parents experience was like, but for mine, it's like, there always had to be a translator mm-hmm. there always mm-hmm. had to put like, Parent, my parents couldn't communicate with my teachers the way that I can communicate with both English and Spanish speaking parents. And mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference for our Spanish speaking parents, too. Yeah, I agree. Because when I, I mean, I didn't know any English going into kindergarten because I'm the oldest of my family. <laughs> so I went into kindergarten talking about blah, 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 you know, just like winking it with my English, just talking gibberish, yep. you know. And so like, you know, and it's also not just having a translator, but it's you being the translator, mm-hmm. you having to translate. And I feel like, you know, when you go into teaching and you help parents in that way, you can let the kids be kids. And not parents. What they need to worry about is, you know, the responsibility of going to school and finishing their work and doing their best every every day. And the parents have their responsibility of make of holding their kids accountable. Yeah. And they can there's like a divide there versus like the child feeling like they need to be an adult. It, it already feels so hard for all of these parents because many of them come are immigrants that come here and they're working hard and they work so much. I know some parents have, have two jobs and they don't have the time to also have to like, how am I going to communicate with this teacher? So yeah. the fact that we can take that stress off of them, I love it. Yeah. And to even look from the other perspective of the English students working with students who speak Spanish as their first language, it it's building a better, more well-rounded mm-hmm. society and more globally minded students. I mean, in our classrooms, we see black kids, brown kids, white kids, kids of all economic statuses, all language backgrounds. And for them to, for language to be out the window as a barrier, it's incredible. I mean, kids on both sides are using all of their language background to communicate with each other and form friendships and become leaders to each other and become helpers and friends and form these really strong relationships that don't see difference. They don't see any, any barriers between their relationships. And I was talking to a friend the other day who graduated from the dual language program. And she was talking about the different movements that were happening this summer. And she was just so taken aback of like, why, why is this such an issue for people? We like growing up, going to the dual language program, you don't, you don't think about those differences. It's just, it's, it's part of your life. It's how you go to school. It's, it's all, you know, so to see other people thinking from a discriminatory lens is something that our kids aren't used to. And I think that that's a really cool perspective that these students will be able to take away and use in their entire life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Damn, that was deep. (laughs) Um, For me, much like Carolyn, um, since I was a little girl, um, I remember playing with my toys. I remember playing teacher. I remember being the teacher's pet. Like, I remember, (laughs) like, like, yeah, I think we all can relate there. (laughs) 
like teachers pets become teachers yes (laughs) (laughs) no honestly and like I remember like spending my whole childhood at church because that's like where my parents stayed and obviously I had to be with my parents and I would always like try to like help out the Sunday school teachers I would try to help out in the daycare like teaching has always been something that I've wanted to do um I don't know why I like growing up I never had the patience for kids though <laughs> like I never ha- I know I know how am I a teacher I I know but so it was like weird that I was going into that profession knowing that I didn't have the patience but I had the passion for it but luckily when I turned uh, how old was I? I think I was like 21, 20, 20. Yeah, I was like, yeah, not that long. That was not that long ago. Yeah, so it wasn't until my 20s that I developed patient for, patience for kids. But I met this awesome family that I um, started babysitting for and I still babysit for. Shout out to the Hollands. Love them. Um, and they have four kids that literally those kids are the equivalent to um, a room of 25 kids. So... <laughs> It's just they're amazing. Like they're large personalities and like everything else. This really helps me develop that patience. And I was worried because um, I'm a DACA student. So like there was a lot of obstacles like we all face obstacles. But like as a DACA student, there was a lot of obstacles with like um, financial aid, like receiving financial aid, finding financial aid, because DACA students don't receive federal aid. They only receive aid from um, private organizations or private colleges, all that jazz. So I had to find like scholarships and stuff like that. But my first two and a half years, I didn't have any aid. I was paying completely out of pocket and I didn't want to ask my parents either because I have a large family. I come from a family of seven siblings and after I'm the second oldest. So my brother, it's me. And then I have five others and my parents were so busy, like raising them that I just felt so selfish asking for money. So I was really worried that I didn't have the patience going into this career that I was so passionate about because I was like, how am I going to back out of it? If I've already put so much money into it, it ha- it's been difficult, you know? So like, I like have to stick through this. And then luckily I met this family and they helped me with my patience. And <laughs> here I am in my first year of teaching. Um, but yeah. And honestly, also just like being the change, like, I know we all want change in our communities and our world, but you can't just sit back and let change happen. Like you have to be the change. Like my, my favorite quote um, by Gandhi is be the change you wish to see in the world, you know? And I feel like I can do that as a teacher because what better way to do it than starting with the generations that are going to come after me. And like yourself said, taking those little sponges, those little humans and molding them into wiser, more educated, more open, more welcoming, more inclusive human beings, you know, that they'll grow up into being because at the end of the day, like if there's anything that I want to leave on this earth, like an imprint that I want to leave on this earth is for a child to one day, like reflect back on me as a teacher and think to themselves, like, come across like a situation that they could have reacted in a way that they probably saw from like family members or friends, you know, but going around it, like the more like considerate way, like more loving way, because I had a teacher once upon a time who helped me become who I am today so that I can treat others right. Because at the end of the day, it's so important, yes, to educate the children, to make sure they're on top of their academics. But what they really will learn and what they really will take out of that classroom is how you taught them to be a better person. How you, like, it's the basics. Like, it's literally one of your students can be having a bad day. And yes, it's important. I have to get through this lesson. But if I have this kiddo who is, having their head down on their desk, not wanting to talk this kiddo. That's usually my, my loud one, my, my excited one. Like what am I losing? If I take time out of that day to nip that issue, like in the butt, to be there for them, to be that comfort. Like, what am I really losing? Like what's more important? Yes. Academics are important, but so is this child's 
um, emotional well-being. So is this child's mental health, because although they're children, yes. And but children are smart and children are wise and children like I feel like sometimes we just like claim them to not know things. But in reality, we can learn a lot from kids, like just as much as we're teaching them every day, they're teaching us as well, not just to be teachers, but also to be better people as well. So that's like where my passion um, came from education for education. But now like being hit with a global pandemic and having to sit through, not sit through, but like work through figuring things out to teach, um, not only through my first year, but just everything's just so new, you know, like that our current educational system is not built to be able to work through this pandemic. It's not built to like, it's not built for the wheels to turn correctly. You know, we've had to rewrite everything and it wasn't the politicians. It wasn't the people in government. When you think back to the coronavirus, don't think about your educational system. It was the people who are actually there every single day working through it, who were able to guide these children through it just as we were learning ourselves you know and that's just when I look at teaching it's such an unappreciated profession specifically here in the United States because if you go to other countries it's not that way Um, and that's a sad case but don't forget that there's also people out there who appreciate you as a teacher and who appreciate everything that you do like this year has been tough Yes, but don't let like one bad year, as I was like, we and Griselle were talking the other day, don't let one bad year really just define your path. Don't let it steer you off of that path, of that path that you have so much passion for. Um, And with that being said, like, I want to move on to the next question. What has been your biggest concern about teaching during a pandemic? And how have you like dealt with said concern? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like trying to think. There's just a lot of like, there's just a lot of things. I mean, with in regards to technology, I mean, I, I mean, Car- I mean, Carolyn, you know, she's like a tech whiz and she figures things out. Like, you know, like I had, she already figured out where all the accents go, like on the, like on the keyboard and like I'm over here doing it on Word doc and like snoo or or snipping it and then adding it to it because I haven't figured it out, you know? And so like you do that. You have to change your keyword. <laughs> I can't, I just can't. It's too much. And so like, you know, I I don't want to say I'm terrible at it, but I'm not really good at it. And so, you know, I do what I can. And with in regards to like the actual technology piece, but I mean, I know that there's like other teachers who are like older and maybe aren't that good with technology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel for them because sometimes mm-hmm. some of their struggles are like some of my struggles, too. Like when they can't get their Zoom to work, I'm like, I don't know. I can't either. <laughs> Like maybe it's not a us thing. Maybe it's like Zoom shut down on the whole first day of school. It's fine. It's not our fault. Yeah, it's yeah. So and we still have this problem. Every day, I have never had a problem with Zoom. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna go back and be like, well, what's wrong with my Zoom now? Uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but like people were down, up and down the hallway. My Zoom isn't working. No, they're right there. <laughs> I know. Like the other day when like Google went down, and so a whole bunch of people couldn't like log into. Me? You couldn't log in? No. See, look, now here's where it's backwards because now you were able to log into, you weren't, but Sandy and I were. <laughs> we were able to log into Google and I was that like. That was fine. I don't know what everybody's freaking out about. <laughs> You're on Google Docs, Google Form, all of that. Yeah, it's just when, I feel like the biggest concern is when things shut down. Uh-huh. Like, not when things shut down, but like when things don't work. There's that no backup plan out, to our backup plan. Right, that are out of your control. Like, yes, now we're teaching virtually, but what if we can't we teach virtually? <laughs> what are we going to do? Teach nothing? Like, there's we so many things that I've had to, like, explain through, like, if their mic is blocked. Because sometimes, like, on Seesaw, like, they, I'll have to, like, record. I have them oh, you have to, like, something. allow it? And, like, they, they click block instead of allow. And then they're like, my is not working. And I'm like, oh. And 
so you're like, share your screen with me and I'll walk you through oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yes. like at first, I'm like, why isn't it working? And then like, I look at their screen and it's like, so-and-so is blocked or whatever. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, look at my screen. You see this little lot. And I'm like walking them through the steps and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be teaching about nouns and verbs. I'm supposed to be teaching you we're just doing things we've never had to do before and it's crazy i don't know my thought has been this whole time is like academically these kids are so resilient they're going to be fine like maybe they won't get the experience in first second third whatever grade they're in that they deserve academically but they're going to grow and they're going to be okay and they're going to make the progress that fits what the new normal is. Maybe they're not getting as much much instruction on reading, but they're going to be really well-versed in how to unblock a microphone and things on technology <laughs> that they're now going to need in the future because we live in such a technological society. Oh, I mean, they can type so much faster than the beginning of the year. Exactly. Yeah. One semester. Like, even if we feel as teachers, sometimes, like, we're down of, like, oh, my God, my kid's not learning what they need to be learning according to the curriculum. They're still learning something that's really beneficial to their life. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as academics, the only thing that I've been most concerned about and I have actually been trying for like working on this is their oracy. Oracy is such a big thing about the little language. Like, tienen que hablar español. Que tienen, like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, ¿Cómo los hago hablar español when they're cutting up half of the time? <laughs> <laughs> Maestra, I can't hear you. You're on mute. What? What did you say? Literally. So, and it's been hard working on that aspect. Mm-hmm. I think that's been one of my biggest concerns. Mm-hmm. And I've been working on it. I try to do what I can with recordings and breakout rooms and all that jazz. But it's hard. I know. I think teaching in Spanish, um, you know, it just brings like another obstacle, mm-hmm. you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're teaching during your English time and it's like you can talk to them in English. So if something goes wrong, you just talk to them in English. But because we have like a diverse like population of kids, you know, they're not all Spanish speakers. So like if there's a problem during your Spanish time and, you know, it happens to be one of your um, English speakers like that or, you know, that's their first language and you go to try to help them, you're going to try to help them in Spanish, but they might look at you like, uh, maestra? (laughs) I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so then you have to start all I'm like, I don't again. even know what I mean. <laughs> oh, no, breaking the language, like, oh, I'm supposed yeah. to be teaching in Spanish, but, like, I really need this kid to know the technology. Yeah, that's that's yeah. from me half of the time. Like, I was so yeah. adamant about trying to stay in, in Espanol. Tengo que hablar Espanol. Y, like, yo les explicaba las cosas en Espanol. But then I would waste so much time. And I'm like, I can't spend this much time explaining them how to unlock a mic or unlock their camera or doing when we have to do so many yeah. other things mm-hmm. yeah there's just little little vocabulary terms like and you just say it english you're like i'm over it yeah. <laughs> just like that's a click I feel like if there's anything these kids are going to walk away with is being masters at Spanglish. Spanglish? Yes. And I tell my kids, like, Spanglish is good. That means you know two languages and you're super freaking smart. Like, you can speak in two languages and go back and forth. There's nothing wrong with that. That is the myth. because then they just oh maestra you mean the green check mark and you're still like yes we've been doing that all year <laughs> like even to this day am I supposed to draft or oh, le doy la flecha verde I'm like ya terminamos el trabajo dale la flecha verde and even two minutes later somebody Don't raises their hand the same question I'm like I repeated myself how many times oh my gosh the amount of like two weeks ago we were doing something every kid kept telling me maestra la pregunta cinco no sale nada maestra la pregunta every kid kept doing it got to a point where even a parent asked me I was like I have been answering this question over the past ten times is the only question I've answered. And you're telling me even who was a parent didn't pay attention to that. Yeah, and I guess, you know, 
like also like for the district that we work for, you know, we also have kids that like stay with us. You know, there's a couple of kids that stay with us, you know, just a little like two or three. And so those kids that like stay with us, you know, we pick them because we know that, you know, maybe they're going to have a more difficult time virtually. But there's maybe some things, again, that you can do. Like if you're doing both in general, let's say at your district, you're doing both. You're doing in-person and virtual. Bless your heart for doing that. <laughs> yes, yes, it is hard, you know, it and that's what hard. we do. And that's what we do, what we've done all year since mm-hmm. we started. Having kids in person, having kids virtually. There's things that the kids are going to get from being at school that they won't get virtually. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we just did a project of building cars in third grade. You know, we were able to, like, if one of the kids at school that we had needed materials, oh, here, you you need a wheel. Okay. I have a bottle cap right here. Here, I have a bottle cap right here. <laughs> Take it, you know? Oh, you need a body for your car. Here's a tissue box. Like, you know, but at home, if they don't have the materials that they need in order to build a car, you know. You can't do much for them. You can't do much for them. I mean, you can, you know, we've gone to drive to their houses to drop things off, but you can't do that for every single material that they need. Mm -hmm. And if you do, bless your heart again. That was my my biggest concern going into the year was the disparities between the in-person kids and the virtual kids. I mean, starting the year, my class was pretty much half and half of in-person virtual. And so I would spend two hours every Sunday for the first probably two months of school driving around to all my kids' houses, bringing them the materials Mm -hmm. they needed and just trying honestly to form relationships with them of like, I know that I'm going to be able to provide support and provide social emotional care and love to my in-person kids, but how can I still show my virtual kids that I'm their teacher and that I care about them and that I want to help them? And so there were times when I would stand on their driveway and talk to them, or I'll never forget one of my kids. I go to his house and he goes, maestra, I learned how to ride my bike without training wheels. Can I show you? And we spent 10 minutes. I stood on his driveway. He drove, he rode his bike around and around in circles. And it was just the most meaningful thing to me of like this kid, like I only ever get to see him really on a screen and for 15 minutes on a Sunday, but he get, he got excited to show me something. And that, that proved to me that like, okay, this is taking a lot of my time, but it's making a difference. And he still feels like he has a teacher who cares and supports him and wants the best for him. And so I don't know that, that was my concern going into the year. And I'm glad that, I, I mean, it's not perfect. It's not the system that I would like to have with my kids of how I form relationships with them. But mm-hmm. like anything in 2020, we're getting by, by doing it. And hopefully it won't be like this ever again. Yeah. And I feel lucky of the fact that um, since I did teach kinder my first year and now I'm teaching second grade, I get the kids that I had in kinder, I get them again. So there was a little bit of a relationship with some of them. Some of them were in the other classroom, so they were new to me, but I still knew them. But so I felt that did take a little bit of the pressure off for me with the kids that were virtual, but still like a couple, I have one little girl that I didn't have when she was in kinder and when I got to see her in person as, as my student, I was like, oh, she actually feels like my student now because I've seen her and now, like, not just through a screen. I know. But There's just a lot of concerns. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of concerns. Yeah. And then, but, like, the yeah. other day, um, two, uh, two of the students from one of the kindergarten teachers went in and they were getting their present and they were telling the kindergarten teacher, they're like, we miss our friends. And, and they've only been virtual for, like, the past, like, couple weeks or weeks so like they weren't they hadn't even been virtual that long and they were saying how they missed their friends already yeah. and I'm like that just breaks your heart it does I think my biggest concern for me has been being a first year teacher <laughs> going in <laughs> well, <today. laughs> yeah, like that um I it's it's sad because I feel like at some points I have felt the feeling of what it feels like to be burnt out and it's only my first year and that's that's my fear um I'm scared that this feeling will carry on but Griselle and I were talking the other day and like we were talking earlier like we talk a lot yeah (laughs) we talk a lot lot, I'm never quiet (laughs) 
she was telling me she was like I know it's your first year and I know it's hard but like I really want you to experience like the kid like what it's like to be in a classroom with all of your kids you know like I I don't want you to feel like helpless like I don't want you to feel like you can't do this because of the new way of teaching and the sad thing that this is the new norm you know this is the new way of how it's going to be until we get this virus figured out which I don't see any happening anytime soon so you just have to adapt to like these situations and yeah it's just that's like been my biggest concern but luckily I've had like this great support system of women at my school that like have really been like the guides for me that have set the example because like as I was telling them the other day like not only are your kids looking up to you but me as a first year teacher my eyes are also on you because I'm learning so much, you know, like obviously I spend so much time with Griselle because we're right next door and we plan together and all that stuff. But Andrea and Carolyn, they're on another hallway, but I still see all of the hard work and dedication that they put into their kids and everything that they're doing that makes that works for them and works for their children. If it is, and if it's not working, they adapt and they modify and they change things so that it does. So while I'm fearful that like this feeling might carry on because who knows how long this is going to be. I know that at the end of the day, I'm always going to have that net of support to fall back on. If I ever feel like I am walking out of the school right now because I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I know that they wouldn't let me like they would stop me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just, that's been my biggest concern. And just because I mean, and then going into this program, it's, it's such a highly looked upon program, you know, like parents want their children to speak more than one language. Parents want their children to be well-rounded. And I know I'm sure many of my parents had a concern with being afraid that I was a first year teacher and I was teaching them virtually for the first time. They've never like these women have had some years under the belt in the program. Um, I haven't. And to go into something so new, it was really intimidating and it was really scary, but I've learned so much and forever, like for that, I'm forever grateful. And I know I'm only going to continue to learn. Like they're my teachers, just as they're their teachers for their students. Las maestras de sus estudiantes también son mis maestras. And I just want you ladies to know that. I just want to say that your humility is what makes you the great teacher that you are. Because you're not afraid of asking for help and you're not afraid of saying that you look up to somebody else. And you know, when the conversation like had came up of when we had to hire like a new third grade teacher, like right away, like, you know, I had only seen you once. Just one time in my life I had seen you before, you know, and that's when I had spoke to your cohort um, during college. And when they said, oh, we need a third grade teacher, I was like, I wonder if she graduated already. And like you still came up in my mind because, you know, you know, Twitter and like all that (laughs) would come up in my feed and stuff. And I had seen like the speech that you did about um, DACA, like, I don't know how long ago it was. And then. Like all of those things kind of just like lined up for me when I was having the thought of like, who's going to be our new third grade teacher. And then that's when I had, you know, emailed your sorority or DM them on Instagram. (laughs) And um, I was like, do you have her number by any chance? And, you know, that's when, you know, I knew that you would be a good teacher based upon what I what background I knew that you had. Because mm-hmm. you hadn't even seen me like in the classroom. Like, no, I hadn't seen, seen you yet. in the classroom. But at the end of the day, you something that we've always talked about is that we always want to work with other teachers because during the pandemic, like one of the things that can get you like how we've gotten through things <laughs> at our school is by having each other mm-hmm. and having that trust and, you know, building friendships, not just being co-workers mm-hmm. like being good co- co-workers and I mean, helping each other out i just but told also you yesterday i just told you yesterday how like i mean we've always ever since our first year i think we've been good friends yes the three of us mm-hmm. and then this year we've been doing so much more bonding just because of all how how overwhelmed we felt and how just all of the feelings that we've had to deal with because of the pandemic and it just 
we've just adopted. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it seems like it, everything just ha- like I don't know, everything just happened. But we were friends, and this year we just became so much closer. Mm-hmm. And Sandy was included in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and that was important for. Sorry, oh, no, you're fine. I was, there's so many <laughs> negatives of the pandemic, but when I when I think about the friendship that has formed between the four of us, it's that's probably one of my biggest positives of 2020 is that I've gotten even closer with the people that I work with. And I don't think that we would be surviving and kind of on the verge of thriving. If we didn't, <laughs> if we didn't have a friendship that we do. Verge of thriving. Almost kind of maybe sometimes thriving. <laughs> Stay humble. No, but yeah, you know, I believe that you would be a good teacher, you know, just because I think that part of being like a good teacher is that you are humble and that you're teachable. As a teacher, you have to be teachable as well. You can't try to teach someone something or give them advice if they're not willing to accept it or take criticism in a non-negative way mm-hmm. like don't not taking and not saying it like in you're obviously you're not going to say it in a negative way either but you know saying like oh like maybe this is something that we can change or something that you can change and I feel like every time that you know anyone the three of us or maybe me or who's ever like talking to us you've never taken it in a negative way you're always like hmm like yeah like maybe I can do that and you know that's something that you know when our principal had asked us to look for to let him know if there was somebody that we could hire for third grade who I thought would be like good for the program you know I thought of you because I was like oh she's passionate about like helping the Latinx community she's you know she's just you know you know you speak Spanish on top oh don't start crying no what did I do You know, something and then, you know, I knew that I was going to move to third grade. So I knew that I wanted to pick a partner for me specifically. She's over here crying (laughs) (laughs) to pick someone that would be a good match for me. Mm -hmm. Also, because I know how I am. <laughs> um, so you know, I think I talked with Carolyn before, by the way, <laughs> in first grade. And, you know, I feel like we balanced each other out, um, and I just wanted for it to be the same with whoever was going to be my partner in third grade. And it's so important to have somebody as a teacher. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it is. You need to have somebody. I'm grateful that I have the three of you. And if you're hearing this and you're a teacher and you don't have anybody, look for somebody because you will not get through this if you're alone. You will yeah. not get through this alone. It's hard. There's days when you feel like you can't do it anymore. You're about to step out the door and not yes. come back. But find your people and find the reason that you come back. The reason the reason should always be the kids. But at the end of the day, there should also be teachers who are your true, real friends who are your other reason to come back. Yeah. I mean, we've said, you said it at the beginning, 100% of this room has thought of you. <laughs> but 100% of us are still, still here. here. <laughs> and it's because, you know, we like talk about like our, you know, we've always talked about our concerns and things like that, but we always like reel each other back in, you know, we let each other cry, but then it's like, okay, now get your shit together. You know, we have, you know, we have, you know, we're here, we have the kids, we love what we do. So let, let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're 48 minutes in right now. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, all of this is really important. And I'm hoping like it gets to teachers citywide, nationwide, like countrywide, because I feel like it's really important for you to hear that you're not alone and that we're going through this similar experiences. We're sharing experiences that you're not going to really be able to relate to with anyone else. You know, and like with that being said, I'd like to finish the podcast with like on a positive note, I want to ask you ladies, like despite feeling like defeated and considering like quitting (laughs) at some moments, like how has teaching during 2020, like not just a pandemic, but 2020 as a whole, because 2020 has beat our behinds (laughs) in so many ways. How has 2020 helped you grow? 
as a teacher, because life is all about growth. Life is all about learning. You know, you should never want to stop growing as an individual. How has 2020 helped you grow within your profession? I feel like I've been able to use my voice more for the good of children. I mean, if 2020 has taught me anything, it's that or teaching in 2020, I suppose, is that kids will should always come first. It should always be about the children and always about having their best interest in mind. And whether having their best interest in mind means teaching them virtually, teaching them in person, doing one thing versus another thing. A teacher's job is always to advocate for the best for all of their students. And that's something that I feel like I've been able to do more this year and that I want to take forward with me into into every other year that I'm a teacher and whatever else I do with my career. This year for me has been really like my past two years, it's kind of just been like, um, thought my first year was terrible, but you know, I feel like that's every first year teacher. And then, you know, my second year, I really thought I was like on top of it. And then 2020 hit pandemic. And then I was switching to a new grade. So there was a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake in third grade because of all the testing, the state testing and all of that. And then the pressures of like teaching in Spanish and making sure the kids have their oracy, like Andrea said earlier. And then also on top of that, you know, I had more of like a leadership role in like other places in our district. And so for me, what I have learned like as the role, like as a teacher, but also like as taking lead in certain meetings, I know that it's so important to just listen to people, like not just listen, but like really hear them and like their perspectives and where they're coming from. And like, like I think like as just, I don't know, like just, in order to grow as a leader, as a teacher, like as a human being, you just have to stay humble and understand that like you will change, you will grow and people will respect you a lot more. Like felt like people respected what I had to say and listen to me because I listened to them. And I think just like staying humble in regards to that, even if you like, for me, even though I like moved up in like a position, you still stay humble. Mm -hmm. Because then people will trust you. People will do all of those things. I mean, also the kids, you know, always taking the, you know, advocate for those kids and those meetings and like things like that. But yeah, I think 2020, you know, you sat down and, you know, I feel like now you're just kind of like trying to stand back up mm-hmm. by doing different things and adapting just, to the new way of life. Yeah, mm-hmm. just working together. <clears throat> uh, for me, I have felt like a first year teacher every year. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> I mean, I taught kids first year and now I was a first year teacher. Second year, they moved me grade, so I felt new again. And then third year, we're doing virtual, and I feel like a new teacher again. (laughs) But I think, and it's something that, I mean, just recently, it's what's been on my mind that I need to believe in myself. I feel like you, especially with you guys, I feel like you guys are always, like, telling me, like, how I'm a good teacher and all these things, but... I struggle with that a lot. I always feel like I'm a horrible teacher. I always feel like I'm doing everything wrong. And I think this year has made me feel like that even more. But I need to believe in myself. And if I don't, I'm not going to be the teacher that I want to be. So believe in yourself. Yeah. Well, with that being said, um, I just want to say some last words to like any teacher out there hearing this podcast, um, always, yes, always put the kids first. Always, always, always. Mm -hmm. But know that you can't service those kids. You can't educate those kids 
if you yourself are not taken care of as well. Yes. If you yourself. (laughs) I think that's a general, like, what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's on me. (laughs) If you need to leave school earlier, you know, sometimes we stay after. Way past contract time. Especially you guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's for the kids. It's for the kids. (laughs) It's for the kids. And yes, having that for the kids mentality is awesome. But at the same time, you have to put yourself first as well. You have to take care of of yourself. You have to make sure your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, whatever kind of health you believe in and you treasure, that health must be taken care of. And know that this year does not define any teacher. This year does not mean that you are a terrible teacher if you don't know how to help a student upload a assignment on CSAR Canvas. Or anything that you use. Yes, nothing <laughs> that happened this year. And the and the right now we're crying, right now we're screaming for help. But in the future, you're gonna be thankful that this year happened. And you're going to be thankful and looking back and laughing how we are at our misery right now. <laughs> you know, like it's it's this year. This year is a turning point for education. And this more than any other time, this year shows that our educational system really needs more support and needs more work. But luckily, there's educators out there like us who care, who advocate. And there's people who back us up. And it's going to take time, but day by day, eventually we're going to be able to rewrite how education works and how education is. So continue taking care of yourself. You'll get through it. Push through it. Technology is not our friend, but like you have, still have to be an acquaintance because you're still going to be working with it. So it can be a friend of me. Yeah, it can be a friend of me. <laughs> Just push through. You got this. You got this. You had this before. You got it now. You'll have it in the future. You know, like keep pushing, keep working hard, keep leading with your heart, keep leading with your mind and keep leading with that passion that brought you to this um, field of choice. Because at the end of the day, if I wanted to be making money, like, yeah, I could be a doctor and stuff. I could all this and that. But teaching is just as rewarding. We might not be making the bands, but we're touching the heart of children and families all over the world. You know, so be kind to your teacher, guys. If you a parent, <laughs> be, kind. Be, be kind. Be criminal to that teacher. <laughs> be kind. Because this is this She's is also new to us. Get, you don't need to give her money. You don't need, just be grateful. Just be, nice. just be grateful. Just give, tell her how good of a job she's doing. That's all she wants to hear. <laughs> yes. While the gifts are nice and the gift cards are amazing and all of that, at the end of the day, we just we just would love to know that we're good giving good your job. children the experience that you want out of us. And if we're not, let us know that so we but can nicely. work towards it. it. Yeah. Nicely. <laughs> nicely. Yeah. Nicely. Please. Nicely. Nicely. Yeah. But. Yeah. So thank you, ladies, for joining me today on this very heartfelt podcast that I'm hoping gets to teachers all over the world. Um, Thank you for joining me. I love every single one of you, even though I just met you like, what, six months ago. Um, That's why you're going to be one of my bridesmaids. Yeah, I'm going to be a bridesmaid. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you so much. I honestly could not be getting through this year without you, ladies. Um, I love you all. You all are amazing, badass women who every day by day we're taking on the world and we're making the, the world ours. So thank you for joining me. And thank you guys for tuning in. If you've tuned in to 58 minutes and 47 seconds, an applause <laughs> so to you. I know. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Let's end the podcast. I'm going to leave it off with more music from my bestie, Akili Nimali. This song is called Me and My Girls, because here today I'm sitting here with my girls. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. If you don't align with my time, it ain't on your dime. Trust me, I'm just fine without you. Because I can't without you. And I go further without you. 
my girls had not my own boo. Yes, I got a little attitude, but I'm still flying and I'm cute. And my boo is in the world. my girls. But you know, I pay my own bills, and that's why I walk with a swipe. If you ain't trying to pay my bills, get the fuck up out of my way. Sometimes it's real limited, and a good Lord got me purpose to continue to pay the white. But the black girls, I look like me. Cause I ain't never seen it. To the right, get up up down. I'm flipping head right, say we popping. Me and my girls, me and my girls, me and my girls, we popping, we popping. Yeah, yeah, this is a summer anthem. Mmm, this is a summer anthem. 